0: I don't want to move too quickly in this but it's been moved by the words of this song I just wanted to remind you as I need reminding of myself that the God of creation of all things, the God who sent his son to die for us on a cross and raised on the third day, the God who sent his spirit to be with us to point us back to Jesus the God who spoke light and there was light and the God who sits at the right hand of the Father invites us into his throne room. He invites us in to see him face to face. What a gift. What a beauty that we get to have that honor to enter into the presence of God and that he desires to meet us face to face. Face to face has the ability to change things. I'm Pierce, if I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors here. and, And so... No longer hypothetical and no longer a prayer, I began to read books about what it meant to be a dad. What did it mean to hold my own? I gathered men in my life that, that are in this community and, and would take them to coffee and I'd take them to Wendy's for spicy chicken sandwiches and I'd and, and, and gather them around and say like, what does it mean to be a dad? What changes in the moments of becoming a father? And, and, and they would tell me their stories, but no longer at a distance, now my reality. July 2nd of this year, a few months ago, I got to stand and hold my own for the first time, my little girl. And it changed everything. And as much as I love you and I care for you, there's nothing that you actually could say to me that could take away the honor and the title of dad that I carry now. That morning, July 2nd, at the hospital, changed my life forever. And I deeply believe That that's what God is desiring to do in your life. Is to meet you face to face. To come face to face with who he is. So that you will never be the same again. Because he loves you that much. And so we want to look at today, Peter. And I want to look at his first encounter with Jesus. As he came face to face with him. And it comes out of Luke 5. Did not have my place Something out of Luke 5, starting in chapter, or verse 1. On the day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace that you pour out, that you invite us into your throne room and invite us to see you face to face. So speak to us now. Let us see your face for who you truly are whether we're in this room or watching online. God, we just ask that we meet with you in a way that leaves us forever changed. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I grew up in South Georgia, and let's just go ahead and get it out there. It was a hard night yesterday, all right? It was a hard day yesterday. Jacob said I had to preach from the valley, so we're preaching. Um, But I grew up in South Georgia, and when I was seven years old, my dad bought us a boat. And he grew up around the lake, but we had moved from the lake area of South Georgia. And a lot like you, he grew up and spent his time on the water skiing and fishing. And this boat was incredible. It was an awesome boat. And so we would wake up Saturday mornings. We'd fill the cooler up. We'd hit the water before sunrise a lot of mornings. And we would just spend the day on the water. And some days we spent skiing. But most days we spent fishing. Day in, day out, hour after hour fishing. Now, here's... This is not the place where I learned to fish. I actually learned to fish just in the back streams and rivers of South Georgia with my friends. And the reason I need you to know that's where I learned to fish is because for four and a half years as we had the boat, my dad and I caught zero fish. (laughs) Absolutely zero. He would go fishing with his friends, they'd catch fish. I'd go fishing with my friends, we'd catch fish. Together, nothing. We ended up just selling the boat. We were like, there's no, no point in this. And there was nothing worse in those days at seven, eight years old as like throwing my line out and begin to get that tension in the line. If you've ever been fishing, you know what I'm talking about. It's this great tension. And at seven and eight, I'm just reeling in everything I got only to find trash at the other end of it or, or, or grass that was at the bottom or to hook it on a tree or whatever. But this great tension, I'll get so excited only to pull in nothing. And the reality is, is that still to this day, I throw my line out all the time And this great tension ends up on the line, and I begin to pull in something that actually has no substance. The reality is, I haven't been fishing for like 15 years. This happens now as I scroll through Facebook and scroll through Instagram and see links to different things that I think, oh, that might have substance on the other end of it, and click on it, only to find myself wasting time with nothing of value. This happens when I meet you all out in the lobby and we're catching up and talking and I go, Claire and I are in a show hole. We don't have anything to watch on Netflix. What should we watch? And you give me a show and then you tell me this, but you gotta wait till the third season till it really gets good. Why do I gotta wait till the third season? Why I gotta waste all that time with season one and season two? It's this, we would call it clickbait, right? This idea of something appearing to have value but not having any value at all on the other end. And sometimes I even know it's clickbait and still get caught and spending time around it. I say that to say that we find ourselves now in middle Tennessee, in America, and Jesus' name gets attached to everything. There's not a political party, there's not a, there's not a position, there's not, a, not a anything that somebody somewhere in that regard puts Jesus' name on it. And I wouldn't suggest this for anybody, much less our Savior to be basing our full opinion on who he is based only on what other people say about him. I'm a pastor. I talk about Jesus for a living, like this is what I'm doing right now, which I hope is enjoyable, and you get something from it. But this cannot be the only thing that we gain our understanding of Jesus about. And so this scripture that we talked to Peter about, he comes face to face with Jesus. Because here's the reality. Our lives are only completely changed By face-to-face encounters with Jesus. I'll say that again. Our lives are only completely changed by face-to-face encounters with Jesus. And so often I've heard this, this passage preached as I grew up in church and it wasn't my dad was my pastor. So it's not that he preached this passage wrongly, but just in my mind, I just began to believe that the way this, this passage worked is Jesus just like floated down the beach right? His feet don't touch the sand, but his garment just kind of leaves a little, a little place where he, he's been floating and he's, and he's glowing and he has a halo and he sounds like Morgan Freeman. I'm not going to do an impersonation. I'm sorry. And so you lose all respect for me. And, and, so like, and then he just looked at Peter and said, Peter, follow me. And Peter goes, sure, I'll follow you. And they go off and they go off for the next three years. And that's a really bad reading of the scripture because there's a lot of us, that makes Peter look like he, he followed Jesus blindly whimsically, unintelligently, and just on a whim. And so for us that are around the church, that grew up in the church or are visiting the church, and we would be like, hey, I got questions about Jesus. I got questions about my faith. I got a question about what religion has done in the past and in the world. And I don't know if I just want to blindly step forward into this. And so many people wrongfully of the church has just put it out there like, you just got to have faith. You just got to trust. You just got to believe because Jesus is Jesus And that leaves us with like this nothing to hold on to, this nothing grasping our reality. And so if we blindly follow Jesus, I believe we'll blindly just leave Jesus. Because there's nothing actually grounding us to who he is. And I believe that Peter doesn't follow blindly or whimsically or unintelligently. I believe he follows Jesus at the end of their encounter because of what he heard and what he saw. And that's what I want to look at today. What he heard and what he saw. So Jesus shows up on the beach, Peter's done fishing for the night, and and he's over, put his boats on the shore, and he's cleaning his nets, and it just says that Jesus got in his boat. No permission, no asking, no, is it okay, Peter? No, he just simply gets in Peter's boat, and then he asks, Peter, will you join me? Now, we just got to hit pause on the story already in like two lines into it and let you know this, and it was a reminder to me, and I hope it's a good reminder to you, Jesus is in your boat already. Jesus is fully in your life, whether you want him to be or not. Whether you see him or not, he is fully there. In the Instagram worthy parts that all of you were at 38 last week, and y'all were just relaxing and sunbathing and looking all nice on the beach. No, he was in that part 100%. And he's in the addiction. And he's in the dream. And he's in the depression. He's in all of it. And so Peter, Jesus steps into Peter's boat, but then guess what he does? He goes, Peter, will you join me? See, yes, God is going to, and Jesus is going to get into your boat without asking permission. He is going to be in your life whether you want him to be or not because he loves you that much. But he loves you enough to be in your life but not force you into anything with him. But he is going to invite you into stuff with him. And so he is going to have this recall, recall, recall of like asking you to join him. And so Peter does. And so they push off from shore a little bit because Jesus is human. He's fully 100% God, 100% man. So he has to use like the wind coming off the sea to amplify his voice so that everybody in the crowd can hear him. And you know what Peter does? Peter gets in the boat. He pushes off the shore for Jesus. I love it. And then he gets on his phone. No, he doesn't get on his phone. There are not cell phones there. He doesn't read the Wall Street Journal. He doesn't look at the latest Bible study on David written by Beth Moore 2,000 years ago. No, he doesn't, he doesn't do those things. You know what he does? It's incredible. It's crazy. He sits down. That's it. He sits. He just sits. And he listens to Jesus teach. The Gospel of John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh in Christ Jesus. So what is Peter doing? Peter is sitting under the Word of God, made flesh, preach the Word of God. No distractions. No Instagram. He can't put this on his stories. He just sits there and listens. Can you imagine how incredible that must have been? See, our lives are changed by getting under his word. Our lives are changed when we get under God's teaching, under God's word. And that's what Peter does, and that's what we have to begin to do. But please hear me. It's not out of a religious you ought to. It's not out of a religious rule book that you have to follow if you give your life to Jesus. That's not why we, why we open the scriptures. We open the scriptures because the God of the universe, the one that said, let there be light, there was light. He created day, he created night, he breathed into Adam and gave him life. He breathed into Eve and gave her life. That God gave us the word of God for us to fully know his full character, his full nature, how much his love is for us, how much his grace is for us, how much his mercy is for us. All of that he gave to us in these 66 books that have one character and they all point to Jesus and so I just gotta be honest with you I fully believe in the Bible with everything I have I believe this is the word of God written by men who struggle with sin who struggle with doubt who struggle with different things but inspired by the Holy Spirit in the way that now the word has become perfect I didn't always believe that and you don't have to believe that to belong here and you don't have to believe that to begin reading the Bible either but I didn't always believe that. And so when I was younger, at seven I got saved, probably on one of those fishing trips, trying to catch something. And, and then, but in ninth grade, I went to my dad and I said, I don't really believe any of this stuff anymore. I don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in religion, don't believe in any of it anymore. And my dad was really gracious. He's like, I'm not going to make you believe this, I'm not going to force you, but you are going to go to church. And uh, it really wasn't an option. Like, where's the pastor's kid? Well, he doesn't believe. Um, and so, so I had to go. And I wanted to. I wanted to honor my dad in that. So I went, but it wasn't until I got to college that I began to wrestle with the idea of a creator again, a God, that led to believing there was something out there, and then later wrestling with the fact that world religion and, and, and who understands Jesus or God and their perspective. And, and I finally got to Christianity. It was my last one to scratch off my list to go, like, none of religion works. There's something, but there's no answers. And, and I began to open this book up for the very first time for me. I begin to open this book up for the very first time for me and say, Jesus, who do you say that you are? I'm going to sit under your word and I'm going to see who you say that you are. And I'm not going to base my full opinion on who you are by what others people say you are because I also believe the Holy Spirit is with us to help us and understand the scripture itself, to make it come alive. And it wasn't until I opened the word of God for myself, began to submit my life to it, did my life really begin to change. And the reality is this, church, as I opened the scriptures, here's what I found. I found out two things. One, Jesus was way better than I thought. He was way better than I thought. His mercy was greater than I could imagine. His grace was overflowing. But there was also some really hard scriptures that I had a problem with. Just being honest, we don't talk about his life. There were scriptures that I went, ah, I don't really know if I believe this. And as I continually journeyed, I didn't give up. I continually journeyed through this that I began to submit my life even to the scriptures that I didn't understand because I believe that his ways are higher than my ways. And so as I did this, my life began to change. And so here's the reality. Here's my prayer and here's my heart is that our church, Providence Church in Mount Juliet, would be a church, and it already is, but even grow more in their desire to get under God's word, to open up his word, that we would be a Bible people, a Jesus people that get to know Jesus through his word. Community is huge. We want you here. We want you to be a part of this. But I want a desire that messes up my Netflix specials and messes up my morning routines and messing up my night routines because I've got such a deep desire for God's word. And so Peter sits under the word of God. And then as Jesus does so often, he asks him a question. He asks him a question. He says, hey, Peter, we're done teaching. Will you push out a little bit? And Jesus doesn't answer with a yes, I'll push out because Jesus was cool or because Jesus was, um, looked awesome or because Jesus drew, drew a crowd. No, he said yes to Jesus because of something he heard when he sat under his word. That's why he said yes. So this is a step of obedience. This is a step of faith. This is a step of trust in who Jesus is. He doesn't fully know who he is yet, but he's trusting him because of what he heard. Oswald Chambers, who is a great theologian and writer and writes all these like, devotions, says some of the greatest truths of who Jesus is is revealed behind the door of our obedience. Some of the greatest truths of who Jesus is is revealed to us behind the door of obedience. And so Peter obeys, and he, and he, and he takes a step of faith. Our lives are only changed by being obedient to his request. Our lives are changed by being obedient to his request. And notice the word, like I I, I spent a lot of time on this actually and made sure the word was the right theological word and it's request. He's not gonna mandate you. He's He's not gonna drag you along. He's going to request because he loves you enough to meet you where you are, but he's not gonna force you anywhere, but he's calling you somewhere greater. And if he's calling you somewhere, if he's calling you to follow him, that means we gotta take a step. We gotta leave where we are and start walking at where he requests. And so Peter pushes out. He pushes out into the sea. And it says that they begin to get such an incredible amount of fish in the boat that Peter just flips out, right? He calls James and John from the, from the shore. He's like, guys, you got to come help. You got to get out here. You got to come see this. And so they get out there and they begin to fill their boats. And both be, the boats begin to sink. And it is crazy. And he has now sat under the word of God. He has now been obedient to the request of God. And now he is seeing the wonders and the powers of God, and the miracles of God right in front of his eyes. This is mind blowing. I believe in the Bible. Now, I also believe in the Holy Spirit. I, behold, I believe in the Holy Spirit has the ability to teach us God's word. I believe the Holy Spirit has the ability to do miracles in a moment, healings. I've seen them. I believe in what Scripture tells us about the miracles of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. I believe these things because I've seen them. But heres I want to be really careful with this topic because I don't want you to go out and not hear my heart in this. The power of God and the wonders of God and the miracles of God cannot be manipulated or manufactured. So I cannot like gather a certain group of people in the room, really holy people, whatever that is, and, and, and put on the right set and invite the right guest speaker in and say the right prayers and go through the motion and then the power of God shows up. That's not how the power of God shows up. The power of God shows up in God's timeline. But I do think that we can begin to tune our hearts and to tune our ears and to tune our spirits more so to hear his heart and to see what he's doing around us. See, the power of God that he desires to show you and the wonders that he desires to show you is never just about you. It, over, it happens to you and then overflows to those around you. Let's think about the series we've been in. Zacchaeus and his whole house get saved. Incredible. The, the, uh, Pastor Regina talked last week of, of Jairus and his daughter. His daughter is raised from the dead. Now the dad gets her daughter back. The mother gets her daughter back. The brothers and sisters get their sister back. Cousins get their friends, or cousins back. Friend, they're all getting back. The woman who had an issue of blood, who's healed in a moment by the power of the Holy Spirit, by Jesus in that moment, now the, all the money that she had been spending to, to doctors and to try to figure out the remedy, now she can begin to save. Now she can begin to build something. Now she can be blessed to be a blessing. And she also gets to enter back into community now which she hasn't been able to be a part of because she's seen as unclean. Now she's clean. All I'm saying is this, the power and wonder that God desires to do in your life is never just about you. It's gonna overflow to those around you, but it is through you. And so Peter has sat under the word. He has been obedient and now he has seen the wonder and power of God. Our lives are changed by seeing the wonder and the power of God In our life. So what does Peter do in that moment? Peter does only what Peter can do. He goes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you anywhere, man. You want to go to Israel? I'm going to go to Israel. You want to go to Jerusalem? I go to Jerusalem. You want to go to Samaria? I'll go to Samaria. You want to go to Rome? Let's take Rome on. Let's take on Caesar. New York, Tokyo, where you want to go, man? Like, I'm all in. That's not what he says yet. What he says first is, man, you got to get away. And this is key in the story in Peter's life and it's key in the story of our life. Jesus, Peter has come face to face with a living God, our living God, and, and has seen the distance between who God is, his holiness, his powerfulness, his, his authority, his, his, just, his who he is, God made flesh. He has seen that and he goes, I'm a sinful man and we cannot be together. I don't know who you are, I hopefully not only get it, but we are different. But then grace explodes in. And grace fills the gap. And mercy fills the gap. And what Peter saw is the distant gap, which it is a gap between who we are and who Jesus is, the grace fills the gap. And Jesus says this to Peter do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I will make you fish for people. And here's the reality. That's the only right response for people who come face to face with Jesus. Go read the scripture all throughout from Genesis to Revelation. When people come encounter with Jesus face to face, the response from the angel or the response from God is do not be afraid. Because it's scary how holy he is and how righteous he is and how pure he is and how loving he is. But we cannot forget that grace explodes in and does the gap. And so we end the story with this. We end the story with Peter pulling his boat up on the shore, and following Jesus, which is incredible. But as I said at the beginning, don't let this be that Peter follows blindly, unintelligently, on a whim. I don't know if you caught it. Jesus asked Peter the same question twice. Let's look at him. The first said this, Put out into into the deep and put down for a catch of fish. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Put out into the deep sounds like a question of faith. Sounds like a question of trust. Sounds like a question of rely on me. Sounds a lot like just simply follow me. Follow me sounds like a trust of, an ask of faith, an ask of reliance, an ask of of, of intimacy. So the first question, put out into the deep, trust, faith. Peter does that, and he says, put down for a catch. Sounds a lot like I will make you a fisher of men. So Peter's now sitting there looking at the first question that Jesus asked him and said, you asked me to trust you, I trusted you. You said let's go put down for a catch of fish, and now look what's happening. I got two boats back here in the sea that are sinking from the amount of fish that are in them. Like you showed up in a powerful way that I cannot explain, but I saw it and I cannot unsee it. And now you're asking me to follow you again, have trust in you again, put my faith in you again, and I will make you a fisher of men. And Peter's going, I don't know what that is, but I'm in. You showed up the first time. You were faithful the first time. You exceeded my expectation the first time. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to follow you now. And we see this go throughout Peter's life. Peter's not following blindly. Peter's not following whimsically. Peter is following with great, rooted, foundational trust because of what he's heard Jesus say for himself, that he was obedient to his request, and that he then followed him. And he saw the wonder and the power of God. How incredible is that? That is what Jesus is inviting us into, of to follow him, not because of a religious ought to or any of those things, but based on us opening his word, taking a step of faith, trusting him, saying yes, being obedient, and then seeing the wonder and power of God around us. The wonder and power of God can't be manipulated, can't be manufactured, but we can tune our hearts to see it. And so Peter goes on for the rest of his next three years, and he follows Jesus. And that's the key. He follows. He doesn't get it right every time, but he just keeps taking a step every day. He keeps following Jesus. And that's what we're called to do, just take a step every day and follow Jesus. And as he does so, he's at everything. He's at the resurrection, um, or he's at the death of Jesus, he's at the resurrection. He has this massive moment where he, he denies Jesus three times, and he goes back fishing, and after the resurrection, after he comes and meets Jesus, or Jesus meets Peter again, he sees the resurrected body. Um, he goes fishing and Jesus meets him on the beach and he says, hey, I put a calling on your life, I put an anointing on your life to be a fisher of men, not a fisherman and and so now I'm inviting you back to that same calling. You haven't outdone yourself. You haven't sinned too much to do that and some of you in the room are sitting here today and, and God put a calling on your life and God put an anointing on your life at some time and now you've begun to doubt that calling and doubt that anointing that he's still calling you because you've messed up. We've all messed up. But that doesn't discount the call. That doesn't discount the anointing. And some of us, we need to repent of some stuff. We need to get around some people. We need to be held accountable. We need to, we need to, we need to grow some. But that doesn't change the call. And so the band's going to come up. And I want to end you at the end of Peter's um, encounters with Jesus. The last encounter... Peter has with Jesus is this moment where he says, Jesus tells him, Hey, don't go anywhere, don't leave Jerusalem, gather together in the upper room, pray for the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And then, on my power, go out and do my work, not on your own power. So, somebody say, But then. Okay, I'm the youth pastor. It means you can be a little louder with me. But then. But then. But then. So, But then Pentecost happens. They're gathered in the upper room. They're gathered together, and the Holy Spirit falls. And and remember, the blessing is and the wonders and the power of God is through you, but not just for you. It goes out of the room. So the, the, the Holy Spirit falls in the upper room on Pentecost, and it breaks out of the room. It goes into the streets, and people are like, what's going on? What's happening? How is this even possible? Right? And, and, and so Peter, in the power of the Holy Spirit, stands up to give his first sermon. And he says this. He gathers the people, and he says... In Acts chapter 2, verse 16. This is what was spoken to you by the prophet of Joel. This is what was spoken to you by the prophet of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. That's forward thinking. Your old men will dream dreams. That's the faithfulness of God. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's he doing? He's doing the exact same thing Jesus did with him on the beach. He's putting them under the word of God. He's saying, this is the word of God that I have for you. This is what I have for you. This is the Old Testament. This is all the scripture I have. I'm putting you under the word of God. But then watch what he does. He does this in verse 22. He goes, fellow Israelites. So now he's done Given the word of God. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. So now he sat them under the word of God like Jesus did to him on the beach. And then he's going, hey, by the way, Jesus was accredited to you by God through his miracles, his signs, his wonders that you know. I'm not making this up. You already know that he's done those things. And he goes back and forth in this in Acts chapter 2. Back and forth. Word and power. Word and power. And then it says this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That separation, that same thing Peter had on the boat, they have in the moment. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children. It gets out. And all for you who are from from God that will call and all who he has held. So he's saying, listen, you sit under the word, you be obedient to his request, the wonders and powers. That's not on our timeline that we can't manipulate, but that we can look for. And so what does Peter say we do when Jesus has changed our life? Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. What does Jesus say that we do when our lives have been changed and we have been baptized? Repent and remember your baptism. That is what Jesus is calling us to. That's why October 24th, next, next Thursday night, not this Thursday night, but next Thursday night is what is there, is what is why we want you here. Like if something's on your calendar, can I be bold? Cancel it. Show up here. Join us in community. Whether your life has been changed by God or you just wanna celebrate what God is doing in other people's life, come and be baptized. If you for the first time ever and you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, Come and be baptized for the first time. Or you say, Hey, as Pastor Regina talked so beautifully last week, that Jesus saves us in a moment, but sanctification happens means that we become like Jesus more and more. He changes our life day in and day out, going from glory to glory. Come, repent, and remember your baptism. We'll put the water on your forehead, or we'll let you get in the dunk tank and go under and have that marker of faith on your life. It's not blind, it's not unwanted clickbait. But there is a fullness there, and there is a redemption there, and there is a hope, healing, and wholeness there that Jesus is calling you to. Again, he's just calling you to take a step, to follow him, look back. So I want to do this. I want to close with this. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us these kind of three movements that I've been talking about. A desire to read God's word, a desire and increase of faith so that we see Jesus and we're obedient to what he's calling us to, And thirdly, that some of us need to see a miracle in our life. We need the tangible power of the Holy Spirit to come alive in us and for us to see it. And so if that's you, when I pray in a moment, and then I'm going to end by praying over communion, which is a sign that you get to take a step of faith and come down and receive the body and blood of Christ as representations of his body and blood. Um, But if that's you in those moments, when I get to it, any of those three things, if you'll just hold your palm out Raise a hand, stand in faith, however you need to respond. I believe in the Bible, I believe in the Trinity, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe in prayer. I think prayer shifts stuff. And so let's go to God in prayer. So God, we are thankful that you are holy and righteous. And that the gap between who we are and who you are is overflowing with grace and mercy to our benefit and to our favor. And God, thank you that you have given us your word, perfect as it is written, given us the full nature and character and love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And you have given us the spirit to understand the word for ourselves. And some of us in the room would say, God, I need a deeper desire. I desire a deeper desire to read your word. I don't want it to look dead anymore. I want it to come alive. I want it to flow the rivers of your love out of it as I read it, that it changes my life, make it come alive. And so for some of us, if that is our prayer, for the desire of the word of God to be an increase in our life with our hands uh, held open, our hands lifted high, or standing as in a sign of faith, God, will you pour out your spirit on us that we have a deeper desire to know your word. As I said, may it mess up our morning routine, our nightly routine, our Netflix binging that we that we take into reality that your word is sitting on our desk and that we get to fully know you. And God, for some of us, we need an extra measure of strength and, and faith to be obedient to the request that you are calling us to make. You, we know what the request is. Maybe it's a sign of faith, maybe it's a repent of our sin, maybe it's a, something that we need to give up, whatever it is, God, we know what it is, but we need help. In our own human nature, we're struggling to take that step. And so, God, with, with, if that's us, with our hands open up, or our hands lifted up, or standing as a sign of faith, God, will you pour out your spirit on us and give us an extra measure of strength and grace to take the step that you're calling us to take in a faithful, holy submission to who you are, to who you are, God. And for some of us, that we are just desperate to see you move. We are desperate for the miracles and the wonders and the signs that we know you are already doing around us. We ask that you do them in our life today and give us eyes to see it and the spirit to see it. Maybe it's a healing that needs to happen in a moment or a healing that needs to happen by a doctor or we maybe just need to give up on, let go of bitterness and anger and be given forgiveness by you God but we're struggling in that whatever it may be whatever the miracle is we need to see so for those of us that that is the call of our heart that is the desire of our heart to see you move with hands open or hand raised or standing in faith God we desperately ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit and give us those eyes to see the work and the wonders and the power that you are doing all around us for your glory God for all of us as we have an opportunity to take a step of faith, to respond to your words that we have sung and your scripture that is being read and the spirit that speaks within us, that points us to you. May we take a step of faith as we come for communion today. So Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and juice and let it be for us the body and blood of Christ broken and shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. In your name we pray, amen. So if you're um, helping with communion, you can go ahead and come up and start preparing for communion to serve. I just wanna give you these three little pointers really quick as they come to serve. If you you responded that you needed a desire to read God's word, I don't have a graphic for you. I don't have a a, a catchy little thing. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you just go home and start reading the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke is the most complete gospel that we have of Jesus' life. And when you're done with Luke, go then to Acts. He wrote Acts and see how the church starts and the Holy Spirit invades if you have a desire to take a step that you need to be obedient to something God's calling you to, surround yourself with a friend, a close friend, and, and let them know what that is that you need help being obedient in. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't put it on Twitter. You can't trust those people. But find a friend and help them help you. And then thirdly, if you say, hey Pierce, I really am desperate to see a miracle in my life. I'm desperate to see the power in God and uh, God move in my life. Um, gather a friend gather a spouse, gather somebody, get around coffee, and begin to share the faithfulness that Jesus has already done. And as you share the faithfulness that God has already done, I believe that he will show you what he's doing now. So ushers will come. We'll take a moment. i take communion.